Following Jesus isn't always easy, but it's not complicated. And on this podcast, we seek to make real life a little bit more simple. Today, we're going to have a great conversation with Jan Johnson. And though you may not know Jan, she is a spiritual director, a professor at several different colleges, uh, a former a friend and student of Dallas Willard, and uh, hopefully a new friend of the podcast. Her content is so good, and she has written many books, but the one that I got a hold of was one called When the Soul Listens, and it's all about hearing from God. I think all of us want to pray. We'd love to hear from God. We're just not really sure what he's saying and if we're just putting words in his mouth. This podcast, this conversation that I got to have with Jan was so life-giving for both me and I hope it is for you. So uh, enjoy this conversation with Jan and we'll be back at the end of the podcast. Jan, thank you so much for joining us and for our audience that may not know who you are. Uh, I know you live in Simi Valley now, but tell us how you got there and tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, I um, grew up in the Midwest, but came out here for inner city ministry and um, and started writing and just loved it. And so I've, I've been, and then after I was writing for a while, people said, oh, why don't you come and speak? And Oh, Rusty, I was horrible. I read my books. It was terrible. Um, and then I had to learn how to do what you do every week and uh, just love people from where I was standing and communicate. I love what you said about not complicated. Mm. Um, it doesn't have to be. And that's where I am, too. And then I'm also um, a college professor, grad school, and also a spiritual director. Mm. Yeah, there is a big difference between writing and speaking. And you're right. You can't just get up there and read your chapters because that's oh. a, it's a little boring for people. <laughs> well, I know that you are from Cincinnati, Ohio. So I have to ask the question that begs to be asked of anybody from Cincinnati. Do you prefer Skyline Chili or Gold Star Chili? Skyline. That's the right answer for you. <laughs> I have some on my shelf. I have six cans in my cabinet (laughs) (laughs) that I pull out for special occasions. It's that good. And people that don't know what I'm I'm talking about, they just, they don't get it. So, oh, well. Well, I want to ask you about this book. Um, And I heard you on the uh, James Brian Smith um, podcast, and he's been a guest on, on this podcast. And and we love him. And what he had to say was so good and interviewed you and you talked about your book, which I'd never heard of. And so I picked it up. I couldn't put it down. I think I've under, I've, I'm one of those that underlines and I, I started underlining every word. And then I thought, well, that doesn't really help anybody. So I, I thought, let's talk about this. Now, this book is called When the Soul Listens, Finding Rest and Direction in Contemplative Prayer. Uh, you wrote this about 20 years ago, and then a second edition came out in 2017. Why Why did you write this book? Let's start right there. Oh, gee. I, I wrote it because people treat prayer in a very mechanical way. They just want to ask God for stuff. And I was praying with lists. And one day I threw my list across the room and said, 
God, what if we just hang out? Isn't that what the Psalms is talking about? Is just hanging out. Mm. And so I moved from a very mechanical way of relating to God to a very relational way of relating to God so that um, I could ask God questions and I could wait and see what came to me either during that time or later. But where I just began to talk to God about everything and just stopped asking him for stuff all the time. In fact, what came to me, and this is I have this big time in the book, is that we pray really to get the mind of Christ. Hmm. We don't pray to get stuff. We pray to ask God, what do I need to know about this situation? What is my part? What is like so not my part? <laughs> hmm. um, and to just just be able to be willing to hang out with God. So the idea that many of us have, and, and a lot of our listeners grew up Catholic, and so their idea of prayer, it might be some recitations, it might be some uh, uh, preformed prayers that they're just kind of uh, working through, and, and not to take anything away from the beauty of liturgy, but the idea of just kind of going through the motions and saying things and reciting prayers and and I grew up in a tradition that we mocked those things, yet we prayed the same thing all the time. You know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, we mocked liturgy, but we would say, God bless this food, bless our day, you know, same thing. So the idea of prayer being more than that, um, you talk about it in terms of contemplative prayer. Define for our audience what that is. Well, contemplative prayer is really where we're willing to listen to God. We have a thought that we might go to God and God might want to say something to me. God might want to inform me. God might want to help me realize that, okay, this this teenager that I'm praying for and, and I want this kid to shape up, that what God may be saying to me is, here's what she needs. Have you thought about this? And I I, I wanted to make it, not just to give people space to be with God. You know, there's a huge difference between, think about the people that you know. There's people that you know that you just want to be with. Mm -hmm. And then there's people that you actually call when you need something. Mm -hmm. and, and both of those, God actually is both of those, but God really is the first one. And that's what we miss out on. And I don't say that to produce guilt. I say that as an invitation that God is crazy about you. There's nothing you can do about it. So let's hang out. Hmm. I love that idea. Just, and I think there was a book years ago called Wasting Time with God. Uh, yes. I love that concept of just, of just being with him. Uh, why do we feel that prayer has stopped working for us? You use that phrase in the book. I love that idea. And I think a lot of our listeners would relate to that. Of, ah, I tried that, didn't work. Prayers don't get past the ceiling. I never... I never get an answer. It works for other people, not for me. Why do you think that is? Because we've made it about the lists and we've made it about trying to get God to do stuff. Um, it's sort of like one of, one of the things I use in the book is, and this is from the Quaker Douglas Steer. I love this. Um, imagine, Rusty, years ago when you were dating and you go to pick, you go to the door and you pick up a girl 
and 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 you say hello and she hands you a script for a perfect date (laughs) (laughs) well how would you have responded (laughs) and yet that's what prayer is like for a lot of people we hand god okay here's my script here's what i want oh i'm supposed to do some adoration okay i'll throw that in okay oh i'm supposed to do this um and and you'd be looking at her going you know i think you're pretty cool could we just like hang out (laughs) right right and god's doing the same thing with you and me going hey you know i created you i'm crazy about you could we just hang out okay so i want to i want to dive into what my knee-jerk reaction is when i hear you say pray and listen okay because what happens when i get quiet and listen is all the wrong voices start talking (laughs) yes (laughs) and i'll admit it i've got voices in my head so I think the danger for all of us is, well, if I'm listening and I'm hearing these voices, how do I know which one is God's? And what I love in your book, and this is in the chapter this, uh, called Snares, Hearing God with Clarity, mm-hmm. you walk through this list of different people that are not even people, but voices in our head that speak to us, but they're not God. But we can tell ourselves they're God if we're not careful. Talk to us about that a little bit. Well, I borrowed the phrase from 12 Step, the committee that lives in your head. Mm-hmm. And you, we all have different people that are there, and we think they are God, especially the, the one for me was picture perfect. Get it right. Don't you, You've got to make sure everything is right. And then I'd get tired of that, and then I'd hear the voice that says, oh, gosh, you're just trying too hard again. Don't do that. And then, of course, when you're in ministry, the rescuer is a big time person in there. You know, everybody needs you, everybody, Mm -hmm. rather than asking God, is this for me to do? We just listen to the rescuer. But, oh, Rusty, one of the worst ones in my head was what I call the attitude police, Mm -hmm. where I was just judging everyone. This person blew it. That person blew it. I mean, I wanted to give Bible verses to people. It was Mm -hmm. really scary. And not only that, then I did it to myself. And so I have in the book, I have a whole bunch that I named, the self-improvement junkie, the army sergeant, protect yourself, build your defenses, Mm -hmm. Um, victim, nothing ever works for me, people don't give me a chance, Mm -hmm. Um, all of that kind of thing. And I had to figure out who they were. And this is really an important thing to do, to sit down and figure out who are the people that live in my head because we mistake those for the voice of God. So how do you replace those? Um, first of all, name them. And then I I used to, in the old days, feel like, um, oh gosh, I just have to get rid of these people. Just you know, take them to the door, slam the door. And in a way, you are doing that. And they will knock on the door for years, but you will get used to not listening to them. But lately, I've decided... It's about making friends quickly with your accuser Mm. to sit down with each one of them and to figure out what is the fear for picture perfect. The fear is that if I don't get everything right, God won't love me. If I don't get everything right, people won't love me. What is the fear that's driving that? Mm. The, and, and so we do that with each one. And then I have Jesus sit down next to each one. What does Jesus want to say to each one? 
And what Jesus has been saying to my little picture perfect one over the years is grinning and saying, it's progress, now perfection. <laughs> I'm the perfect one. You're my follower. And one of the big things I've heard, and this is in the chapter on asking God questions, is all I have to do is just ask Jesus, what's next? Mm-hmm. I make it very complicated. I have to know the whole thing now. And it's just like, what's next? Mm-hmm. And then I usually come up with kind of a God-drenched replacement thinking for each member's main idea. So um, for like the rescuer, I just, I asked Jesus, is this someone that I'm supposed to help? And if so, how is it you want me to do that? Because, you know, especially I've, I volunteered at a homeless um drop-in center for 25 years. So mm-hmm. I'm incorrigible, you know, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to buy everybody dinner. I'm supposed to, you know, <laughs> right. and I've learned over the years to ask God, what do I need to know here? And usually it will come to me maybe in that moment, but more often when I, a little bit later, when I'm sweeping or doing something else, a lot of stuff comes to us when we're driving but it, we'll know by the tone of voice. And Dallas Willard, my friend, used to talk about the wisdom from above and James 3.17. And that's another way you know is the tone of voice, that the tone of voice will be pure and peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. The truth is that God is not pushy. Mm. God is actually quite something of a gentleman. If you don't want God around or you don't want to hear what God has to say, God's not going to push you. But to be really open and to be listening. And so that's how I've kind of made peace with my with the committee that lives in my head. I actually laugh at these people. That's that's one of the best things to do is to laugh and go, oh, here you go again. Yeah, here she comes. Little Miss Rescuer. Exactly. (laughs) Um, or sometimes with my attitude, please, I'll say, you can sit down now. <laughs> mm, that's good. Because she's really, oh gosh, she, she's reformed a lot, but boy, oh, what a mess. So I think being aware of them and knowing what is not God is enormous. You mentioned several in the book, the rescuer, the picture perfect person, the impression manager, Oh, the, yes. the victim, the defender, the critic, the inspector, the entertainment junkie. I'm looking at all these and most of them I could say, well, that sounds like God. Wouldn't God want me to help them? Wouldn't God want me to be better? Wouldn't God want me to look better? Um, you know, those kind of things. But yet I think if you if you have a, a strong enough understanding of 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 Jesus and what we read about in the scriptures, that's where your information comes from, if I'm hearing you correctly, that help us combat these other voices. So help me and help our listeners. Um, what are the stories of Jesus that, that kind of inform you on how he talks to us? What are the highlights for you? Oh, well, one of, one of the big ones is the um, one of them would be the father of the demon possessed boy. Okay. Here's here's the guy. I mean, he's really a mess. And he's come he, he had no business taking this kid out in public. 
This kid was probably kept behind the house. And this was it appears to be his only son. So this is the Jewish man's pride and joy. So he is desperate. And he's out there, and the disciples are really confused by all this, probably because of impression management and the Pharisees are there, you know, trouncing on them. And so Jesus comes, and instead of just healing the boy right away, he looks at the father and he says, how long has he been like this? Mm. He wants to hear the heart of the caregiver because there's two people coming for healing, not only the boy, but also the father. And see, we miss all that kind of stuff. But Jesus is looking at everybody and their insides. And he says to him, you know, well, he's, it's thrown him into the fire and the water. And then you kind of picture this kid who probably has broken bones that were never set right because he's too hard to pin down, who may have fire burns. Um, and, and he starts talking. You can just picture this father's agony. But Jesus, I always call this the first one-on-one parents of troubled teen support group because <laughs> <laughs> he wants to know how you are and how your heart, what is it that's driving you? What's really going on with you? And people say, Oh, God already knows that. Oh, God is a communicator. It's sort of like I knew my mom loved me, but it was very cool that she kept telling me. Hmm. Um, And so he wants to know all of that. And then when the crowd starts rushing in, in other words, when things are getting kind of weird and this is going to get strange, he he calls the demon out of the boy. And of course, the boy by now has begun rolling on the ground. I mean, this is terrible. And then it's it's just super. It's just so beautiful that Jesus helps him up. So this boy, they think he's dead. But when he helps him up, think about this boy. The first thing he sees is the face of Jesus mm. pulling him up, and then he gives him back to his father. So you have several people healed. This is what Jesus is like. Jesus wants to go deep with you and know what's going on with you. Um, in the the woman with the issue of blood, he stands there, the Mark 10 passage. He lets her tell her whole truth. Think about this. This is her talking about her gynecological disorder in a crowd of Palestinian men. (laughs) And he didn't say, hush, honey. Mm. He let her talk and he didn't call her out. He waited for her to come forward. And there was a little girl dying, but he paused, but he listens. This is what God is like. God is really a a listener and wants wants us to bear our whole truth, which may not be very pretty at all. And so I see Jesus as someone who is is going to listen. Um, Jesus doesn't get ready for this, doesn't should on people. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> it's always about invitation. Here's the life I'm inviting you into. And we're invited into that kind of life where we have interaction with Jesus all day long. I love that. So I I know a lot of your listeners are leaders, and so we're all worried about impression management and being a good example. You know what's much better than that is just to stay connected with God. If you, one of the things I tell my students, if you do the connecting, God will do the perfecting. Let God worry about your reputation. You just stay as connected with God as possible. So I'm always asking God, what would it look like to? to love you, to stay connected with you for the next 10 minutes. Wow. And then 
this is the great commandment. What would it look like to love the person in front of me for the next 10 minutes? If, if we can just walk through life that way, well, first of all, it's going to be a lot more fun and adventuresome. <laughs> right. But um, people are going to be loved a lot more too. Right. I, I love I love what you just said. And I had that highlighted in the book to talk to you about what would it look like to love God for the next 10 minutes? What would it look like to love the next, you know, the person in front of me for the next 10 minutes? Obedience 10 minutes at a time. Uh, I, yes. It's just such a bite-sized help for us because we look at this as such a daunting thing to try to follow Christ, to try to grow in Christ. Um, I, I just love the way you, you've summed that up. How have you seen that play out in your life? Well, I find that God woos me into goodness. You know, obedience, as you know, because you are a pastor, is like the word nobody wants to hear. Mm -hmm. But God woos us into goodness. There's a Lewis quote that says, God doesn't love us because we're good. Because God loves us, God makes us good. And I continually find myself being wooing into goodness. Let's say there's something that's happening. Oh, let's say with one of my colleagues at a university. Oh, yes. And I'm getting my, oh, I'm being overlooked because I'm a woman. You know, I get, mm -hmm. I start listening to the victim one. And, and it's like I'm sitting on the park bench with Jesus. And honest, it's, it's really almost comical. He's sitting there next to me, puts his arm on the back of the bench and says, well, girl, how's this working for mm -hmm. you? <laughs> and I'm saying, it's not working. I'm getting crabby. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, the resentment is building. And, um, you know, and, and so we sit there and talk. And one of the things I've heard from God over and over is that resentment is like drinking poison and thinking someone else will die. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting there with Jesus going, okay, I'm the one that's dying. And then I just sit with Jesus. And, you know, I'm making this sound, this doesn't have to be as, as like weird and spiritual as I'm making it sound because you can, I'm up real early and I sit on my couch and I can see the sunrise coming through the Santa Susana Pass mm. and God is wooing me into goodness. I ride my bike and I hike and I'm hearing from God most of the time because I'm being wooed into goodness. So there's all kinds of situations that we're all in that if we, would turn off the radio and turn off the music and turn off stuff for just 10 minutes, we would be amazed at what would come to us. Clear out the committee mm -hmm. and just be. See what God wants me to know today. Mm -hmm. I love the line where you said, you know, you can exchange loneliness for solitude. Yes. You can turn it. I mean, it's you're lonely already. So, you know, you can choose to uh, be, you know, to wallow in that. I've heard that, uh, you know, the victim mentality and all that. And that's one of your voices you just mentioned, but the, the decision to say, you know what, let's turn this into solitude and let's put a purpose behind it. And I could spend some time with God. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And just, just be willing to do it. I had a two hour drive the day before yesterday and, and I'm listening to Mr. Rogers um, biography on the audio book uh -huh. and I was having a good time. And then I just shut it off for a while uh -huh. and just drove into the sunset and said, you know, what do I need to know today? And I had such a sense of God saying, we're moving forward. 
we are moving forward. And there's, there's some spaces in my life where I really need to know that. And it's really helped me a lot. Let me ask you, and kind of take us in a different turn here, our conversation. Um, I, I find that people in, in the church often have this comment, and that is, how do I grow in my faith? They come to Christ, uh, they have this, uh, you know, kind of almost radical experience sometimes, or I got baptized, everything's great, and then kind of the euphoria dies off, and then they, they get into a bit of a rut, and then they might ask themselves, or ask their pastor, how do I grow? Or they start making demands on their pastor, you need to do A, B, and C so that I will grow. That, you know, <laughs> this whole thing of spiritual growth, discipleships, the fancy word we use for it. I know churches have been wrestling with this since, you know, churches began. But how have you seen the answer for that change? Because since you're a spiritual director, what would you give people advice to? Because unfortunately, what happens is people just become serial church hoppers. And they yes. jump into new places and hear things they haven't heard before and assume that's growth. But education isn't always growth. So what would be your advice for people that are kind of maybe thinking, I'm a little stuck right now. What do I need to do? Well, it's, it's the phrase that I used a minute ago. Figure out how you best connect with God. And whatever that is, do it. Hmm. For example, people who are runners, before you go running, take a passage of scripture that God has been bringing to mind. Get that passage, look at it, and then go running. Mm -hmm. Because that's a great time to meditate on scripture. Part of what happens, and I, I really like what you said, they hear something new, so they, because studying scripture is a good thing, but meditating seeing what is God saying to me today in the middle of this passage is really important. And we skip that. And that's one of the best ways to hear God is to be in a passage and, and to then just go with it and see what God says. Maybe even get out a piece of paper and scribble down, okay, I read this passage and I'm not sure what you're saying, but maybe you're saying this to me because that, that enables you to hear God probably better than anything else. And once you learn to hear God that way, you are never going to quit mm -hmm. because now you have a relationship with God rather than waiting for the, the newest thing to come down the block that tickles your ears. Mm -hmm. um, I know that you were interested in that the whole idea where I talk about the candy bar. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was on our notes, right? Studying scripture. Well, first of all, study is really good. You want to dissect the text. You want to know who's talking. You want to know what the form, all of that is really good stuff. But meditation is always step two, and you never leave a passage without meditating on it. So my candy bar illustration is that studying is where you cut the candy bar in pieces, and you look at what's in there. And if you have braces and it has caramel, then you don't eat that if you're something you're allergic to. And then you set the pieces of the candy bar down and wow, you've studied it. And that's what most Christians do. Oh, I got a new nugget. Mm -hmm. Wasn't that great? No. Then what we're missing is step two. Take a piece of the candy bar, put it on your tongue and leave it there for a while. 
that's meditating on scripture. And that's, uh, there's many ways to meditate on scripture. One is what I did a few minutes ago with go into the passage. What would it have been like to have been the father of the demon possessed boy? Or maybe, maybe I'm more of the Pharisee that's giving the disciples a hard time. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, you know what, maybe I'm the boy and I just feel dead and I need Jesus to pick me up. Or that I'm one of the people watching this woman share all this stuff in the crowd and I'm so judgmental of her until Jesus says to her, your faith has healed you. And now this woman that I thought was such a strange person is the rock star of Capernaum. Um, to be able to get into the passage and to hear God speak to me today. Mm. What is it I need to know? And I think that builds an interactive relationship with God where you are more likely then to find other ways to connect with God. And that's, this is like, this is so my, my alley. I write a lot on spiritual practices and, you know, spiritual practices are just ways that we connect with God. Um, and there's, there's a whole lot of them. It, it, when you're going to serve, if you're going to do it as a spiritual practice, you're not going to do it and, and pat yourself on the back. You're going to stop in the middle and say, God, where do I see you in the middle of this? What am I learning from the person I'm serving? What is it you want me to know today because I'm in the middle of this? And then it becomes a spiritual practice. So to be able to investigate the kinds of things that Jesus did and do them the way he did them, being able to, a really hard one for a lot of people is confessing my sins. Well, just start small just and make sure that whenever you confess your sins to God, that you always hear God's words of, I have forgiven you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I am forgiven. And then ask God for a next step and don't make it too big. You know, don't be like, I have to call the whole world and apologize. Well, maybe not. Um, <laughs> ask God, what would be my next step? But it really starts with being able to be still. Be still and know that God is God. And there are many ways to do that, mm. like hiking or bike riding. Or it doesn't have to be sitting in a chair and being quiet. But um but this time of year is really good because you don't have to get up all that early to see the sun. Right. Right. Um, just being able to do that, being practicing frugality. Okay. I'm going to wait a week before I click buy now on Amazon. Um, just to see what God would say to me about that. And maybe you still will get it. Maybe not. Um, in the class I teach at hope, I have them do fasting. And I give them a choice of all kinds of things they can fast from. And you know what they fast from most is technology. And the papers they write are stunning. Um, What's it like to go through three hours to go through a day without my phone? Gee, I'm not the most important person in the world. Gee, I had to rely on God for how to get somewhere. Um, But just being able to to interact with God in a real way rather than just trying to get stuff from God. When, when we pray and we hear silence <laughs> and, I, and I love what you're saying about waiting because God's voice tends to get clearer over time. I mean, certainly as you read through scripture, his timetable is not like ours. 
you know, he waits 40 years, he waits 400 years. He, you know, <laughs> it's, he's not, he's not moving quickly, That's you good. know? And even, you know, they come to him and say, Hey, Lazarus is dying. Good. We'll wait a few more days. You know I mean? It's just, he's really slow sometimes. And uh, I think sometimes waiting is really good for us because sometimes we talk ourselves out of things and we think, oh, I don't even want that anyway. But when we wait, what should we do? You know, there's so many books out there on how to pray, but not many on what to do after we pray. You know, what, what does waiting on God look like? Because some of us could read the passage um, about, well, you didn't pray, or he who prays and doesn't have faith doesn't get what he asked for. So you think, well, I just didn't have enough faith, so I got to pray stronger or harder or have more faith, or maybe I wasn't persistent enough. And we kind of go back to the method and think we've messed it up. What's a healthy way to wait on God? Well, one thing that's helped me a great deal is to notice that in the Psalms, when you see the word wait within another verse or two, or in the same verse, most often you'll see the word hope. So waiting on God is hopeful expectancy. It's expectant waiting. It's like when you're at the airport and you're waiting for someone you love to land. It's going to happen, and you're waiting, and you're even a little bit excited. And sometimes it can be a purifying experience because we realize that we're frustrated because we just want results. And that's, and this, this is going to feel a little hard, but sometimes we're just using God. Mm-hmm. And we need to decide, is God enough? I I went through three years where I I asked God if I could be a best-selling author. Okay, and as you said, you'd never heard of that book before. Um, <laughs> and so I finally, I really had a sense throughout that whole. Every time I prayed about that, that God was saying, "Am I enough?" Uh-huh. And and I was really honest. I said, "Well, yeah," but I was also hoping for this. Um, <laughs> and and then I then we finally settled it that God is enough. And so sometimes I realize also I was some people are just in this whole thing, especially when they start doing the things we've talked about. Oh, they get a lot of good feelings, and then they have a space where they don't have any good feelings. Well, what was I in it for? Mm. Was I in it for the good feelings? It, it will always, Abraham on Mount Moriah, sacrificing Isaac, the big question was, am I enough? Mm. And that's that's what we want to be able to look at is, is, is God enough? And can we wait in silence? Too many of us play God on demand or mm-hmm. what Dallas calls message a minute. We're okay. I'm listening. You have to talk. Mm-hmm. And, oh, gosh, that's deadly. God will talk when it's a good time to talk. And we don't, we don't get to press this. We get to be patient mm. and wait and see what God would say to us. Well, this, this has been so rich, Jan. I so appreciate your time. I appreciate your book. And though I had never heard of it, I will never forget it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Most of my books, most people have never heard about either. So I get it. Um, But I, 
I so love this book and I want our leaders to, to pick up a copy of it. It's called When the Soul Listens. Uh, I picked it up on Amazon. It's real simple. Um, and, but I, I know you're, you have other resources out there and many other books. How can our, our listeners hear more from you or connect with you? Well, my website is simply janjohnson.org. Okay. And you know what? You can, you can buy the books there or you can read the first chapter there and then go to Amazon and buy it, which is fine. <laughs> um, so my website is a big deal. And then when you're there, if you want to sign up for, I have this, this monthly thing I send out, I call a whiz bit. I don't blog because you don't care what I'm thinking every day. So I just have this thing I send out once a month. And then something that's really interesting related to this is that um, I have a partner that I work with to do online courses. And we're getting ready to do a course based on When the Soul Listen. It would start around the first week of February. And um, if you want to sign up to be on that list to be notified about it, he just sent me the link. And it's... And I don't know if you want to publish this somewhere or something, but it's bit.ly and then forward slash listening in prayer. So it's bit.ly forward slash listening in prayer. So whenever I do an online course, though, it's not just me talking. There will be I'll give you these short little um, I don't want to call it assignments. I call it experiments. Mm. Ways for you to experiment with connecting with God. And um, that's, they're, they're usually, in fact, probably I'll make the committee one of the exercises. That's good. Um, and so just ways for you to connect with God. You can sign up. You can do it as a group. In fact, you could do it as a small group. Um, you can buy it that way and then show it. And, and uh, that's always interesting but we are sort of aligning it with lent in case people want to do it that way hmm. or not so that would mean the first of march wouldn't it yeah. yes okay um so those are some resources that might be helpful to you that's that's such a, a great resource and i definitely want to check that out i'll tell you something that uh was a benefit to me from the the committee that you talk about in your book uh, i have a 17 year old daughter and a 15 year old daughter and um, Bless man, <laughs> I covet everyone's prayers. It's uh, there's some nights I just go for a long walk with the dog, but uh, I mean, okay, that is hanging out with and God. that's okay. yeah, and I I talk with him a lot. <laughs> but so one night at dinner, I, I gave everybody a piece of paper and I read them that part of the book, and I said, "Who's on your committee?" And I said, what are the voices in your head that you're battling? Now, I, I was shocked at, first of all, how open they were, but some of the things that they're thinking about that obviously teenagers think about, you know, that are self-image driven and, you know, you'll never amount to anything. You know, just the, the, the voices that kind of haunt them from their fears. Oh. I was so amazed how open they were with this. And and there and I and my wife and I did this as well, and we all shared this together one night. And boy, it was so rich for our family to kind of, you know, look at each other and go, "Boy, I'm sorry you ever felt that way because you're not." And you know, voice some affirmation. Then the next night, we brought the paper back out again, and I said, "Now we're going to put what Jesus says to us in response to those things." 
And so it's given us a conversation piece with each other of to say the right things, not just a variety of things wow. that may or may not make sense to them or that they don't even care. Because, you know, sometimes you you send people that magic verse and it was magic for you, but not someone else, <laughs> right? <laughs> but to, to get specific, I, I found that really helpful. And I, I credit all that to you. So so thank you for the book and, and your wisdom and, and thank you for your podcast. And I know you're gonna be with our staff here soon. And I'm, I'm so grateful for your your ministry and and I'm, I'm thankful to meet another alumni of, of Ozark Christian College. Uh, I, good things keep coming out of there. So, so thank you, Jan, for your time. You're welcome, my dear. Well, I don't know about you, but that was a fascinating conversation for my soul. I hope it was uh, for you as well. So grateful for Jan and her input in our podcast. Check out her book, uh, when the Soul Listens, and it's just such a fantastic read. She's got so much other great stuff, too, so hope you appreciate that. Uh, we'll be back next week with brand new content. Can't wait to talk to you then. Until then, remember, following Jesus isn't always easy, but it's not complicated. So this week, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. Talk to you soon.